If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse number 8. We'll read a few verses after that. But uh, that you know, it is, it's already been, a, I shared this first service, it's been a special, just a special day for us. And there, there is no doubt in my mind that, that God is doing some just wonderful things in the life of the church family. We're seeing a lot of people who are becoming followers of the Lord. And I would say that most of us, we have a desire, just like the last song said, we desire for Jesus to meet us here. And that is our desire every week. But I think that we also have a desire is we would love to see more and more people come into a walk with God. Now, there's a challenge with that. If we're, if we're going to see that happen, then that's going to that's require you and me enabling that to happen, where we are going to be going out and actively having a desire to share who our God is, to share our faith. And so there's a big question, well, you know, how do we do that? You know, we want God to move, but how do we see him move? Uh, let, me, let me give a story that I think can maybe help us with that. Uh, there was a man who had a reputation for being a great fisherman. I mean, every time he would go out to the lake, I mean, he would come back and his cooler was always full of fish. We had a brother-in-law who's a game warden, and he said, I would love to go with you to see what your secret is. He said, well, come on, we'll go. So they got in his boat, they went out, and it, and it sort of surprised him because when they went out, they did not go you know, to where brush piles were or anything like that. And, and, and he looked in the boat, and he, he didn't see any fishing rods either. And so they just went right to the middle of the lake, and his, his brother-in-law reached down into a bag and pulled out a stick of dynamite, lit it, just threw it out in the water, and just blew up. And there's just some fish floated to the top everywhere. And so he, you know, he gets this net out, and he's starting to scoop them up. And the brother-in-law, the game warden, he is just about to go apoplectic. I mean, he is losing his mind. He said, everything you're doing is illegal. You can't do this. You're going to get arrested. And as he's talking... His brother-in-law just very you know, calmly reaches down into a bag, grabs another stick of dynamite, lights it, throws it to his brother-in-law's lap. He said, you're going to fish, you're going to talk. Uh, needless to say, he decided that he was going to fish that day. And uh, so, you know, it's amazing to me what happens whenever, whenever you have an attitude adjustment. I mean, attitude really is, it, it's, it's just about everything. And so whenever we talk about matters of faith and we talk about, you know, sharing truth, it really depends on your attitude. And today we are concluding our series, Unshakable Truth, and we're going to be talking today about sharing truth. And, and if we're going to share the truth of the gospel, which is good news, which is who Jesus is, then, then what kind of an attitude do I need to have, do you need to have, really to be able to do that. So that's why we're going to look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And just a little background, Thessalonica, it's a city that's in, it's in modern-day Greece. Uh, it's still a city to this day. It's called Thessaloniki. Uh, it's also known as Salonika. It's the second largest city in Greece. Uh, but the reason why it was so important to Paul, who wrote this letter, is because when he went into this city, he ended up starting a church there. And so a lot of people became followers of Jesus, but in that process, there were a lot of people who began to undergo persecution because of their faith. Not everybody liked people following Jesus. And so Paul commends them for hanging in there in their faith. As a matter of fact, we're told in uh, verse number 3 of chapter 1, it says, We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and your endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so where did they get this endurance? 
You know, where do they get this zeal to actually share their faith? Well, they got it from Paul. And Paul shared with them some attitudes to have in order to be able to share the truth. And I think this still applies to us today. If we are going to share with people who Jesus is, you know, then we need to have the attitudes that Paul talks about in our scripture today. And the very first attitude that we can display so we can share who Jesus is, it begins with this, to have an attitude of caring. We actually have to care about the message, care about people. Now look with me in verse number 8. That's how Paul starts off. He said, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Now, now why did Paul want to share who Jesus was with these people? Second word in verse number 8, it's because we cared about you. Uh, That word care, it means to yearn for, to long after. Now, now why, why did he care? Because Paul had this understanding of Scripture, and that is that without Jesus, y'all, we're in trouble. Without Jesus in our lives, we are headed on a path of destruction. And so Paul, when he looked at people, he cared for them, and he did not want them to be on a path of destruction. He wanted them to be on a path of life. And so he shared with them. Now, I I thought about that, and I began to think, well, do I actually care enough to share with people the good news? You know, if you, it's sort of like if you're walking down your street, and you see your neighbor's house, you look in, they have their, maybe their window open, and you, you look into the window, and you see the family, they're watching TV, having a good time, but their house is on fire. Are any of y'all going to walk by and go, well, you know, if I actually go by there and ring the doorbell and tell them their house is on fire, I'm going to be late for dinner and my wife's going to be mad. Is that going to happen? I mean, are you going to look at them and say, well, I would like to tell them that they're in trouble, but if I actually ring their doorbell, they're going to be like, hey, what are you doing looking into my window? You're just being nosy. Well, you're, if you did that, that, that's an incredibly selfish attitude to have. I mean, that's not something that you and I would uh, hope, that's not something that you or I are going to be able to live with. Well, that's how Paul, when he viewed people, he he viewed them in the same way spiritually. He saw that their lives were on fire spiritually, and they needed somebody to put the fire out. And so that's why he wanted to share Jesus. He saw people, in our text it says, he saw them and they were dear to him. Uh, That word dear means significant. And that really raised a question for me that was convicting, and that is that whenever I look at people, are, are just you know people in general, are people dear to me? And I'd say a lot of times when, when I look at people, you know, there's sometimes when I look at people and I, I see them as annoying. You know, I could see them as being a nuisance. I see them as being time suckers. But then I think, but but is that how is that how God views people? And here's the thing, did y'all know this? Did you know that God is the one who invented people? I mean, if you gripe about people, we need to understand this. God is the one who came up with the whole idea and concept of people. I mean, Genesis 2-7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Now that right there ought to be, be enough for you and I to care about other people because God values people. 
And because God values people means that I ought to value people. Because it's more than, you know, we're more than just, you know, we live and then we die and that's it. I mean, we learn from Scripture that you live and that we die and there's something else coming afterwards. You know, one of my favorite historical figures of the 20th century is a Winston Churchill. Churchill was the Prime Minister of Great Britain you know, during World War II. Um, I am, I, I said this in the first service, I am a Winston Churchill geek. I mean, I've read so many books about him. I just absolutely am fascinated by this guy. Uh, I think he's the guy that really saved Western civilization of the last century. Uh, but before he died, he planned his own funeral. He died in 1965. He's 90 years old. And he said, when I die, he said, I want a bugler at St. Paul's Cathedral to be up in the dome. And so whenever they begin the service, I want them to play taps. Now, of course, taps is what you play at a, at a funeral. It recognizes death. But then he said, as immediately as taps is over, I want a bugler on the other side of the dome to play Reveille. Now, you know what Reveille is? You know, that's, what, that's what they wake you up to. It's the dawning of a new day. Churchill understood you live... You die, and then there's a new day. Now, Paul understood that, and so when he saw that there is another day after this life, he wanted people to spend that other day with God in heaven. So he cared for people. But to do that, he had to, he had to engage community. Y'all, Village Church, that's what we're trying to do. We want to engage community to demonstrate to community that we care. And it's not just so that we look good. It's not so we can make ourselves feel better. It's so that we can win the right to share, to share who Jesus is. So if we're going to have the ability to share our faith, we have to have an attitude, first of all, of caring. But another attitude that we have to have is an attitude of sharing. So we want to care about people, but then you want to share with people. Look in verse 8 again. It says, we cared so much for you that we were pleased, here's the key part, we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers, working night and day so that we would not burden any of you. We preached God's gospel to you. Now, there are, there are some things that, that I find amusing in life. And uh, one of them is I am a, I am a Carolina football fan. Okay, now that's not supposed to laugh at that part, but I'm a, I'm a Carolina football fan. I know there's a lot of people here, Clemson fans, bandwagon people. Uh, but anyway, so I'm a Carolina fan, and there's sometimes, and Clemson fans, really, y'all don't understand this. Uh, there are times, you know, when after a game is over, and sometimes we lose, um, I will listen to sports radio, which is not, I don't know why I do it, but it's just more punishment. It's like, you know, sticking needles under my fingernails. And I will listen, some guy inevitably will call in. And he will talk about what a horrible job the coaching staff did. Mark, it's probably you. And so they call in, you know, I can't believe they did this. If I was the coach, this is what I would have done. This is, this is the defense I would have run. And I'm listening to that, and, I, and here's my thoughts. Uh, because I have, a, I have a tendency towards sarcasm. I think, my gosh, why did we ever hire Will Muschamp when we could have hired that guy? I mean, you know? You know, you sit there and listen, you're like, that guy, I mean, I know that he played, you know, I know he was third string nose guard for his middle school, and that guy, he could, I mean, he's obviously a coaching genius. Now, before I get too carried away about being judgmental, I mean, I, I have a tendency a lot of times to do the exact same thing. 
it is very easy for me to look and to see what's going on and I see people and how they live and I get frustrated. And I want to go and I want to preach at them and point out all of their faults and talk about all the things that they are doing wrong because that's, that's not how you win people. You win people by, by sharing with them, not just simply telling them what they've done wrong. It is my, my contention that one thing that we are to do is to do what Paul did. And I look at Paul and I see what he did. Paul went and he lived among the people and he gave them instruction and he led them and he encouraged them. He walked in life with them and he won the right to be heard. Yeah, that's what we want to do at Village Church. We want to share with you. Say, well, how do we share with people? You know, what, what do I do if I really want to share? I care about people, but how do I share? Well, at, at Village Church, we have our C4 ministry. So these are the ways that we are going to share in this church. You know, C4, if you go around outside, there's a big C4 on the wall. You might say, I don't know what that is. Pick up a brochure. It's uh, how we minister in the church. We do it in our community ministries, our campus ministries, our care ministries, and our civic ministries. So if you're looking for a place to plug into so that you can demonstrate the attitude that Paul had, which is to share, that's how we do it at Village Church because we desire for more and more people to hear the good news of Christ. So if, if we're going to see, if we're going to see change, if we're going to be able to share the truth of the gospel, we have to have attitude adjustments. We have to have an attitude of caring, an attitude of sharing, and then, and then here's the last one, an attitude of encouraging. Now look with me in verse number 10. Paul wrote, you are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, if you look at verse number 12, one thing Paul said that he did with the church, he said, we encourage you. Uh, that word courage uh, in the language in which this text was written is the word parakaleo, which means to call alongside. It's like somebody who's walking along, they need some help. You come alongside them in order to hold them up, in order to give them strength. Village Church, that's who we are. We are to walk alongside people in life to encourage them. To walk alongside people in life so that as they are struggling, we can carry them and point them towards the one who can transform their life. Now, now, this wasn't an easy task for Paul. Remember, he's, he's talking to a group of people who are undergoing persecution because of their faith. And Paul said he would walk alongside them like a father with his own children. Now, for those of you who are fathers, you walk alongside your children. Yeah, and you do it because you, you want to hold them up. You want to strengthen them. You want to teach them what's right. You know, sometimes you want to kill them but you want to walk with them because eventually you want them to stand on their own, right? You have kids, as they grow up, what do you want them to do eventually? Yeah, yeah, y'all are on the same page. You want them to pay their own bills. You want them to make it through life on their own, but you do it because you love them. You come alongside them. 
uh, I have a uh, I have a video that I want you to watch. And I, I, to me, it just I think it's a great video that shows an example of a father coming alongside his son to give him strength to finish the race. It's from the 1992 Olympics. You might remember this with a runner, sprinter. His name is Derek Redmond. So I'd just like for you to watch this video. That was a great picture of what it means to come alongside someone to help them finish the race. Bill Church, that is our calling. Our calling is to come alongside people and not just preach at them about what they're supposed to do, but to walk with them, to lead them to the one who can change their lives. But if we're going to share, if we're going to share the truth, there's some attitudes that we are to have. We're to have an attitude of caring, an attitude of sharing, and an attitude of encouraging. That is our job. That is our calling. 
Because we believe the gospel changes people. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you have sent people into our lives, that you sent people into my life who displayed these attitudes, God, because they wanted me to know Jesus. God, I pray that when people see us living our lives, God, that they would not be surprised to find out that we are Christians, that they would not be surprised to find out that we are part of Village Church because we are here to serve people for the purpose of winning the right to share the good news of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you will raise people up today who will say, I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be involved. And Lord, I pray that we'll have people who will go into our C4 area and they'll find one of the four areas of ministry that we have in this church where they can plug in so that they can begin to engage and to serve. And God, may we begin to think about how we can engage and serve people that live right next door to us, the people that we work with. But God, not just simply to say that we're doing good deeds, but God, so that we can win the right to say, I am doing this because I love Jesus and I want you to know him. And I pray these things in Christ's name.